0: Um, for my opening prayer, I'm going to read a couple verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul is blessing the Lord. Um, I think this is not one of those difficult scriptures to understand that Peter talked about. Let us pray. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. May it be so, Lord. Amen. Many of you know that uh, Brooke and I have been out of our house for a while due to an electrical fire uh, since since June. Um, I was went, went for a walk last night, just trying to kind of get awake, and it was dark, and stepped out. We're staying in a patio home not too far from our home, and um, walked out and started walking, and the house next to us has this beautiful wreath on the door, on the outside of, of one of their windows, with white lights in it, and I was like, "Wow, that's nice." And I looked back at the place we're staying, and it was, blah. <laughs> you know, there was there was no, nothing, um, n- n- nor nor at our house. We're out, we're out of our home. There's some other folks in our church that are also out of their home, and the inside of their house is more of a wreck than than ours is. And that got me thinking, it, it got me thinking about my mom um, who died a couple months ago and, and how her sense of home radically changed when my dad died four years ago, four and a half years ago. Um, she wanted to stay on Cape Cod, but she also wanted her family closer by. And she finally relented and let us move her into a his, assisted living near a family member, and she wasn't happy, she wanted to be home. She wanted to be home. Displacement. And I began imagining what, what it's like in the kibbutzim, that's the plural for kibbutz, the kibbutzim in Israel that were attacked not long ago, and what it's like in Gaza this morning, Um, people who don't have homes and don't have family, what it's like in Ukraine. Those scenes are not unlike what Isaiah is prophesying into long before, devastated cities. And how many today, um, beyond those scenes, you know, we pray for Dwell Mobile, who resettles refugees. I talk regularly with a young priest who resettles refugees in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A few weeks ago we had, I'm pointing here because he was sitting right over there, we had Father Michael Jarrett from Trinity on the Border who works in resettling refugees there on the Texas border. How, how many in our world just literally are displaced from home in this season? Most of us here are not displaced from your dwelling places or exiled or refugees. We're not living through a war on our ground, we're not trying to make a new life in a new country. We're not worrying about gangs terrorizing the neighborhood like in Monwe, Haiti. But maybe you experience bullying at school. Maybe your home doesn't feel like a safe place. Maybe you're experiencing the kind of loss that makes you feel, I heard this in an interview just this week, Um, the kind of loss that makes you feel like an exile from normal life. But if we consider our place uh, in our world, at least, at least for me, aside from not having my home, my house, um... The, our, our world, our earthly home, this fragile earth, our island home, from a previous liturgy we used to, used to use with our old prayer book, um, something's wrong with our home. Something is wrong with our home. There are a lot of things that are not right. There are things that shouldn't be. There are things that exist that shouldn't be and there are things that aren't here that should be, and people. Again, this is the kind of situation that not only Isaiah was crying out into, but also John the Baptist. Israel are a lot, not, not all Jews, there was a lot of dispersed, displaced Jews uh, throughout the world at this time, but they were in their homeland, but there was someone in the house who shouldn't be there. There was a big bully, a big dominating presence that was there. They weren't home either. And yeah, I was thinking of, this has been a little bit of my my Advent discipline. I was thinking about Joseph and Mary and their traveling. And what must Mary have been thinking? I don't want to have this baby somewhere else. I would like to be home. Now, the Virgin Mary, Mary Mother Mild, she couldn't have had an ugly thought, right? As a mother with a burgeoning belly, great with child, surely she longed to be at home And so we hear John the Baptist. He says, you know, Mark tells us the gospel starts with Isaiah. John the Baptist crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Every valley will be exalted, every mountain and hill made low. This language uh, about preparing the way, as some of you, you may realize it is, a lot of that image is about when a king would be visiting, you want to make the way like as good as possible, like get all the um, potholes out of the street and all the diversions, make it safe and comfortable. But it's, it's also, it also I think is at the same time I believe Isaiah is making a reference to God through Isaiah, a a remembrance of God taking his people out of slavery in Egypt to a homeland. God, the story says God led them. In fact, in in brilliant sort of Jewish Midrashic-like imagery, like the pillar of fire and cloud were God's two legs, leading them in the wilderness, God with his people, leading his flock out of Egypt through the wilderness. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. This is the first word. Um, Isaiah is, this prophecy is almost like transportation. This, This is about an event 150 years after Isaiah died. And God gives him this amazing, poetic, beautiful, long section from Isaiah 40 on, speaking about the Babylonian exile, when Jerusalem would be devastated, when the cities of Judah would have been laid waste. And the first word, the first word is comfort. Comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly or literally speak to the heart of Jerusalem. Cry out to her that her warfare or her hardship, look down in the footnote in the ESV or some other version, say, her hard service, her hard labor is. Ended. Her iniquity is pardoned. God bless you, Margot. That she has received from the Lord's hand double. Her hardship is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned. There is in all the scriptures today, at least for me, like one of the things that was striking me as I was sitting with the text and trying to decide. What was the word of the Lord for us? Because there's just lots of places to go. But I was feeling this, um, on the one hand, this harshness and hardness. Um, I mean, here's a guy, locusts and wild honey and all that stuff. And and Peter talking about there's fire coming. There's a cleansing fire fire through which the new heavens and the new earth will be born and and then there's this like all all flesh is grass all flesh withers and dies and and yet the first word we heard today was comfort comfort my people as this word comes the the I, the word behold at least in, and it sh, it should be in here. some versions don't have behold in here three times in verses 10 and uh, excuse me nine and 10 of Isaiah 40. behold, it's in here three times behold this, behold this, behold this and behold if you've ever been in Bible study with me, I make the point, like, behold is, a, is an important word. Behold is like, look at this, don't miss this. It's like the writer standing there with one of the, like some weird suit on and a big arrow. Like, look at, don't miss this. Note this, behold. So this is again to people Some are remaining in Israel, but a lot of them are in Babylon and other places. And God says through the prophet, behold, don't miss this. Look at this, like memorize this, know this, etch this in your heart and mind. Behold your God. Behold, your God comes with might. Behold, his reward is with him, his recompense before him. Don't miss this. Whatever our circumstance, homeless, not feeling like home is right, longing for the world to be healed, God is coming. God is coming with might. To judge the living and the dead, to make everything right and everything new. This is what Isaiah is declaring. This is what John the Baptist is alluding to. The Lord is coming. Prepare the way. God is coming. And you know what? It has nothing to do with you. God is coming. This is good news. Behold it. Don't miss it. God is coming with might. And while it doesn't say behold, I'm, I'm hearing it as a continuation. And he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Behold. John the Baptist, or I like to sometimes call him JB, at least in my notes, J.B. would also say in John's gospel, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who takes away actually the underlying problem why everything is a mess. And maybe not for all the collateral damage we feel and people around the world in Ukraine and Gaza and Israel. You know, it's like I did nothing to cause this. And that's a part of being in our world as we experience collateral damage. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin problem of the world. Who said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd who gathers my flock and lays my life down for them. In this season of Advent, if uh, there, I have two takeaways to commend on, from these from this scripture, and the first is hold on to this, know this, uh, pray into this, and accept this: God is coming for you and for us. He sees, he knows, he cares, he loves, and he has the power to do something about it. And he is coming. He's coming in power and might to rescue and restore and to deal with evil. And he's coming in tenderness and gentleness with all comfort and consolation and encouragement. So stop all the ways we're trying to save ourselves and bring relief and bring a sense of home. And it's different for all of us, but that's part of our sin problem. Trust in God who is coming. We cannot and will not save ourselves. I love this, how, how the text says, Behold, um, his arm rules for him. He comes with might and his arm rules for him. So, the first time this idea of arm is about strength and might and what God's going to do to rid the world of evil and, and restore and rescue his people. And then the next time it is, he will tend his flock like a shepherd and gather the lambs in his arms. The hardness and harshness and the gentleness and the comfort. He will gather his, the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom. That language is the language of holding close. It's the, it's the, it's the language of being held safe and secure. However trembling you might feel, however much trembling you might be feeling. It's the idea of a lamb or a sheep that was sought for and rescued and held. In in other words, I think what God is saying, I want to be your home while I carry you home. I will be your home while I carry you home and make this world a new heavens, a new earth, that will be our home in which righteousness dwells forever. All our frailty, all our failures, all our pain, I love how in this passage is framed by comfort, comfort, he will tenderly hold and carry those he loves. Secondly, so the first one is hold this, accept this, pray into this. And the second is a reflection on that very first. Some of you remember, so I've started one of my Advent disciplines, which is listening to the Messiah. That's one of my, that's kind of my biggest Advent discipline, listening to Handel's Messiah, especially the first part. And the very first words in Handel's Messiah, this amazing, ingenious um, putting together of the scriptures throughout the whole Bible about Jesus, the very first words, some of you know, comfort ye, comfort ye. And the guy's just singing it over and over, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, comfort, comfort ye. My people, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. What I just realized in the last couple of days is that actually doesn't mean Church of the Apostles receive God's comfort. It's actually an imperative. It's a plural imperative. In other words, it's it's not to Isaiah God's not saying Isaiah, you comfort my people. It's a, it's a plural. In other words, it'd be like y'all comfort somebody. It's a, do you, does that make sense? Like, or as a parent would say to all the kids, stop it, plural. Y'all stop it. Do you see? Scholars don't know like who God's talking to. Is it the divine counsel that we see sometimes like in Job 1 and 2 when God gathers his counsel and is thinking out loud and that's when Job like gets into his trouble Um, because the devil challenges Anyway, or the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament when it was translated into Greek before Jesus came, they were wondering about it too and they added in, oh, priests, Comfort my people. Or is it a group of prophets? We don't know. But, but what if what if it's like any, anyone called by God to speak to Jerusalem, or let's take it the next step for us today in 2023. Anyone called by God to speak a word for God to his world or to his people. It's consistent with 2 Corinthians 1 that we may comfort those in any affliction with the comfort by which we have been comforted. I pray that increasingly I would know God as my home in these days and all days I pray that you would know the comfort and care and holding of God as your home, as God carries you and us and our world to to his new home. He is coming. He's coming. We can count on it. Let us be a people who well represent the God of all comfort. Amen.